0: The world's a dangerous place. Get the industry's original and most trusted laser sighting system from Crimson Trace. A laser and light systems will enhance your effectiveness and help keep you and your family out of harm's way.
1: Hey, welcome back to Gun Talk. This is a reloaded version, but it's my personally selected episodes of Gun Talk. More training on a special Gun Talk. And we're back. Tom Gresham here. It's called Gun Talk because that's what we do. All day long, we talk about guns. People always say, Where are you? how can you talk about guns for three hours? I say, three hours? <laughs> I talk about guns for 12 hours a day. That's what we talk about. In case you've missed it, if you just arrived, this is huge news. Uh, on the first hour of Gun Talk today, we had Alan Gura. He is the superstar attorney who argued two Second Amendment cases before the Supreme Court of the United States. The Heller and McDonald cases, uh, both of them were decided in his favor, in our favor. Justice Scalia, who just died, actually wrote the Heller decision. Alan Gura, who knows these things, went into some detail, but let me capsulize it for you. And some people are going to say, oh, that can't be true. Trust me. This is exactly right. I, I guess two big news items that came out of this. One is that Alan Gura endorsed Ted Cruz, because he said he is a true Second Amendment guy, and he would actually expend political capital if he had to, to protect the Second Amendment. He said Cruz has argued eight cases before the Supreme Court. He understands how the court works, and this election is, as I have been saying for a long, long time, this election is about the Supreme Court. I hope that people are getting that. The other thing he said, and I'm seeing it also echoed, in emails that are coming in from the NRA right now. Alan Gura said that if Barack Obama gets a nominee onto the court, or obviously if Hillary Clinton is elected and starts putting new justices on the court, the Heller decision goes away, the McDonald decision goes away, and the Second Amendment, for all intents and purposes, though it stays in the Constitution, in reality it goes away also. It's the end of the Second Amendment, is the way he put it. Do we have your attention now? I hope so. We talk <laughs> probably I talk about this so much people are so tired of hearing it. Because everybody wants to know what gun should I get? What gun should I get? What gun should I get? Yeah, I get it. Okay, it's the hardware's fun. But the hardware is just the thing. The hardware isn't what actually does the thing and when you're talking about self-defense it is the software that's important it is the training and i, I know you hear me say it all the time training 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 and i'll say things that irritate people or i say you know your concealed carry class really wasn't what i call what i consider training it was information it was educational but it's not really training as i think about it there are a lot of very good trainers out there a lot of people who've been around a long time doing this. And I saw a blog blog post this morning by a friend of mine. I said, okay, we got to get, get you on. We got to do this. Because Dave Spaulding from Handgun Combatives wrote a piece about where did all these trainers come from? Who are these guys who are looking goofy, doing goofy stuff? What is this all about? So right now, Dave Spaulding joins us. Hello, Dave. That was a brilliant piece, my friend. I'm sure you've irritated a lot of people with it.
2: I've received uh, a lot of positive comments. I've received a lot of hate mail. Uh, <laughs> much of it is uh, you, you know, you're out of touch. You're old. You don't understand the current generation of training, and they're absolutely right because I don't understand it.
1: <laughs> well, I will tell you, uh, I'm going to put my little thing on this, and then I'm going to let you talk about this, but uh, because of what I do, I get to hang around with people who really know their stuff, been at it a long time. I get to go to Gunsight and Thunder Ranch, and I get to train with Dave Spaulding, handgun combatants. I get to go to the SIG Academy. I get to work with Tiger McKee. I get to work with the guys that really know this stuff, people who have been, you know, a long time in law enforcement and, and know what works. And the one thing I have found, Dave, is that. There are some slight differences as you go from place to place, but for the most part, it's pretty much the same, and you guys all end up saying the same thing. If I keep poking around, I say, well, you know, I want to learn the advanced stuff. He said, there are no advanced stuff. It's just basics. You just keep applying the basics well. Is that a fair statement?
2: 1968, Bruce Lee said, advanced skills are the basics mastered. And I've never seen anything that made me change my mind or or believe that that statement was wrong. Uh, The fact of the matter is, Tom, there's only so many ways to shoot a gun. Uh, They've all been invented. Uh, Probably everything we need to know was developed between about 1840 and 1940. And the stuff that's come along since has been because of our advancement in technologies, you know, our mm-hmm. movement from revolvers to some automatic pistols. So we've changed the grip and a few things like that a little bit differently. But, you know, it still comes down to you've got to hold the gun in your hand, you've got to get it between you and your threat, you want to get it up to eye level, and you want to control that trigger in such a way that you don't shoot him in the feet. It, it's, it's pretty straightforward.
1: <laughs> well, it is. And I, uh, we, we've spent a fair amount of time at the range together, and one of the things I want to make sure people understand is that, you and look you were the law enforcement trainer of the year so just so people understand your credentials you a lifetime in law enforcement of swat and everything else i mean it's not like this is your first rodeo but also you are not locked into dogma because we were sitting there shooting just one small deal and i'm used to the uh manipulation drill you tap rack and you put your hand on the top of the slide and pull it back and you were doing it differently And I said, well, okay, that's not what they're teaching at gunsight, and that's not what I've seen at other places. Why are you doing that? And you sat there, and very carefully, as a good teacher would do, explained it to me, well, you've tested it, you've tried it, and you've found that this works better. And so you showed me how you're rolling your hand over, and you're working the slide, and going, okay, Dave's not locked into dogma. You actually experimented with it, and you found that this was a better way of doing things.
2: Well, you know... My my background before I went into law enforcement was as a teacher and a coach. I was a track and field coach. Track mm. and field is a very technique-specific sport. You can, you can really advance beyond your particular personal attributes by having good technique. And I've applied mm. a lot of those same principles to shooting. So if you look at human physiology, and we used to call it physiological efficiency. Now it's called biomechanical efficiency, which is fine. But if you look at how the human body works and how it best grabs something or drives something forward or moves, and you apply those physiological principles to shooting, you'll be surprised how much unnecessary motion you can eliminate.
1: And that's really what you're doing is you're eliminating the unnecessary, so you end up with only what's necessary, which makes you faster, more efficient. And also, frankly, you'll be able to do those things when you're completely out of headroom and you're overwhelmed, and now you're just operating, I I call it operating automatically. I I think that's exactly what happens. If you do this stuff enough, you'll actually be manipulating the gun without even thinking about it.
2: Yeah, autopilot or unconscious competence, uh Within mm-hmm. the, um, the industry, the, 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 uh, uh, the, the companies that built things in the 1950s and 60s when they were doing human assembly lines, they called it familiar task transference, where you could actually mm-hmm. do something without conscious thought. And when you think about it, that's what we need to do. You, you need to do this without conscious thought because you're going to be so focused on that, which is trying to kill you. If you're not running on autopilot, you're going to falter. You're going to fail.
1: No. The, it, it, exactly right. All right, Dave, I want to get you a hold of a second. We'll come back. I want to talk about uh, who are these new trainers and does growing a, an operator beard <laughs> somehow make you qualified to change all the rules and make up stuff and, and even do stupid stuff like putting students down range and throwing bullets past them? Because, you know, we need to teach people what it's like to be shot at. We do? Really? We're talking with Dave Spaulding. Website is handguncombatives.com. You want to look at that. We'll be right back.
2: You spent the entire morning in a blind, waiting for your shot, then missed it and spooked all the big game for miles. Every hunter dreams about the one that got away, and at SilencerShop.com, we make dreams come true. Shooting suppressed means there's no big bang, no violent recoil, and no watching your prize get away, because you couldn't get off a follow-up shot. Want a trophy mount on your wall? Put a can on your rifle. From SilencerShop.com, making the world a quieter place. HSM Ammunition has been loading quality ammo since 1968. HSM makes a complete line of centerfire loads including long range, cowboy action, lead free, dangerous games, and even a designated line of hard cast bear ammunition for maximum penetration to stop game now. The latest 223 option from HSM, Vermint Blue, features a 55 grain Sierra Blitz King bullet. HSM Ammunition at your local shooting sports retail
0: the 45 auto also known as the 1911 is the standard other defensive pistols are measured against no matter what pistol you carry techniques developed around the 1911 are vital you know you need training and you know your concealed carry class definitely was not training now gun talk presents an exciting dvd fighting with the 1911 with tiger McKee. Tiger's unique training style will have you drawing, moving, shooting, and running your gun better, no matter what style pistol you prefer. At ShopGunTalk.com, you can order our DVDs of Tiger's instruction. ShopGunTalk.com also has a two-DVD set, including Concealed Carry 1. Get both for the information you know you need. This really is life and death. ShopGunTalk.com has DVDs, books, and other essential gear shopguntalk.com that's shopguntalk.com you need a good holster you want something that's comfortable easy to wear and both high quality and inexpensive check out the Q-Line from CompTac the Q-Line offers superior quality and comfort plus a modular design that will fit multiple firearms saving you time and money with options for concealed carry or range use the Q-Line is the quality holster you need the Q line at comp-tac.com. What makes a legacy? Is it quality? Craftsmanship? Maybe it's the idea that every American deserves their right to security and peace of mind on and off the battlefield. What makes a legacy? Here at Colt, we're making it every day. Colt. Built one at a time. Proven. Every round.
1: Hi, welcome back. We're talking with super firearms trader Dave Spaulding. Handgun Combatives is the website. Handguncombatives.com. And Dave, you... I'm looking at this, and you're traveling all the time, so there's a pretty good chance you're going to bring your training to somewhere where people actually can get to you.
2: I'm trying to go from coast to coast as much as I can. Um, I tend to get asked to be in the eastern part of the country more than the western, um, but I'm trying to rectify that, so hopefully I'll be near your viewers or someone who wants to take a class.
1: Okay. Now, before people get upset with me, look, I have some good friends who do have operator beards and are trainers but oh yeah by the way they're actually operators yeah. so I don't want to to do that and, and they're really really good at this
3: but yes they are
1: you said it's like in this blog you had what is it you figure this kind of starts with 9-11 when more and more people wanted to get training, and so these guys are popping up all over the place?
2: What, well, you, what are you after thinking? 9-11, you know, prior to that, you you remember, I mean, we had established trainers. There were certain ones that traveled certain institutions, and you went to those. And then after 9-11, we had this huge influx of military-type people. And don't misunderstand, I am not bashing on the special operators. I have friends who are former special operators. I've got friends who are current special operators, and I get these people in my classes, pararescue jumpers, Delta guys, SEAL. I get them in my classes, not units, but mm-hmm. individuals. And right. I have a high respect for them. And and the guys that are on the training circuit, like Paul Howe or Kyle DeFore or Kyle Lamb, they right. are
4: squared away guys. You bet. What
2: kind of got me fired up is is the people who think if you're not former special ops, you don't know anything. And the instructors who have never faced anything more serious than a paper cut that try to dress up and act like they were a special operator. And for some reason, that seems to be what people are seeking out. And the ruder, the nastier, the, mo- the more boisterous this type of person is, the more folks are drawn to them. It, it just it boggles my mind.
1: Well, it's the whole Kardashian thing. If we can be rude and out there that it attracts people, it's a YouTube world, which brings me to that. There are actually, and I wasn't kidding when I went into this, uh, the break, there actually have been instructors who would put students downrange and have other students fling bullets past them, right? Yes.
2: Yes. Actually hold targets and shoot bullets past them. And the argument was we were trying to get them used to incoming rounds. Well, I, I, I have been in situations where I have been shot at. Trust me. I understood what it was right away. I knew what to do, which was to get down, and no one had to teach me what to do by shooting at me or shooting past me.
1: Okay, so exactly how, do, how does somebody, and I get this question all the time, you probably do too, how does somebody know if their instructor is any good?
2: Well, it doesn't really take much to Google people these DNAs and to do background research. You know, if you uh, have an instructor you're interested in and you go to his website or you go to his bio on his website, whatever, and it is real weak, um, that's something that you may want to think about. Or what they've listed has nothing to do with their practical experience, but I've trained this this person, this person, this person, that doesn't mean anything. What did you do? What type of training did you have? What is your background? Because the folks that have done this, they'll have it. I mean, they may not be boisterous, they may not talk about all of their background, but they'll say, you know, I spent um, 17 years in the military, uh, five of which were in the special operations community, or I spent 30 years in law enforcement. And when I was in law enforcement, I was in this assignment, this assignment, this assignment. They'll be able to articulate to you where they got their experience, and that experience is important in how they apply the lessons they're giving to you. Because if you're teaching the combative application of the handgun, which is what I focus in, Mm -hmm. I think you have a point of view that you can't get any other way than to actually have been in situations where your life was in danger. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're just recycling information. Now, I'm not saying that somebody that's never faced that can't be a good instructor, but Mm -hmm. I think it gives you a unique perspective that is worth the students hearing about.
1: Does that make sense It's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I spent the last week uh, on a vacation, but I was with a friend of mine who was a sheriff's deputy and firearms trainer and been through a few things. And just in the conversation that we're having as you go through the week, and at one point he said something I thought was very interesting, and I want to bounce it off of you. And we were talking about a particular situation. He says, "Tommy says the thing you have to understand is I don't fight fair," and that had the ring of been there to me. Mm-hmm. It would, you know, it's kind of like he says, you know. And he said, "Look, he said I'm, I'm, I'm polite." He says, "Sir, I need you to put your hands behind your back." He said, "Sir, I need you to put your hands behind your back." He says. When I say it the third time, he says, "When I get to the K and back, he's on the ground." Uh-huh. It's a just you know, that. That's I'm thinking that just has the ring of having been there. And I think I guess spinning that back to what you're talking about is part of what you're paying for in both your time and your your money. Is yes, it's the information, it's instruction, but part of it is the perspective that comes from experience because that could end up being as valuable as the rest of it.
2: Sure. I mean, just because the the force is judicious, it's judicious use of force doesn't mean it's Marcus of Queensberry rules. What judicious force means is that you've reached a certain limit. Applying this force is necessary, but but you apply it with great vigor. If I'm getting ready to take somebody (laughs) into custody... And they fight back. I'm not going to, like, square off and do this duke it out kind of thing like I did in high school. I'm going to do whatever I can to take this guy out. Because even if you're in tip-top shape, you can go full out for about 30 seconds, 45 seconds, and then you're going to be out of gas. So you Mm -hmm. don't want these things to go on prolonged. You want to end them quickly. And the courts understand this it's just that when hmm. you do that you have to do it within certain limitations and so that's what we mean by judicious force. It's not necessarily being fair but it's not going too far too fast.
1: Another thing I want to want to get out there before I forget is that people will tell me, oh I went to this school and it was great and I, I, I want to say to them okay I've heard other things about that school what is your experience Have you been to other trainers? If it's the only trainer you've been to, chances are you're going to think it's good no matter what.
2: Sure. What's your frame of reference? You know, Mm -hmm. people ask me this all the time. What should I be looking for in a class? And I say, you should be looking to build skills. Well, what do you mean? You should be looking to... Develop skills that will help you within your real world of work, and that's where we get into a lot of the spec ops stuff. You know, a lot of people want to have spec ops training. They want to do these carbine classes. They want to wear their chest rigs and their helmets and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. what's that got to do with helping you when you're attacking the Walmart parking lot while you're putting Christmas packages in your trunk?
1: <laughs> Nothing. And, and let me just let me just say to people, uh, Dave, who I'm talking to you right now knows how to run carbines, knows about chest rigs, done all of that stuff. I mean, you've done that in your work, but that's yeah. not what most of us don't walk around that way.
2: No, no. And, and how many of us walk around with a carbine? We are not in a war zone. You know, we, we are <laughs> law enforcement officers or we are legally armed citizens, which means that the firearm we have on us is probably going to be a concealed handgun. And, you know, mm-hmm. we all know that you are going to start and finish the fight with what you either have in your hand or it is on your person. The yep. idea that you're going to fight your way to a better weapon is ludicrous in a situation that's going to last five, six, seven seconds. It's not
1: going to happen. There you there you go. Hey, Dave, the best way for people to run you down is still the uh, website, handguncombatives.com?
2: Handguncombatives.com, and the email address is handguncombatives at gmail.com.
1: There you go. If you have just listened to Dave Spaulding and you think, this guy seems like he's got his head on straight, I can highly recommend that you find one of his classes, sign up for it. He's the real deal, and he's a heck of a good teacher. Dave, thank you. I really appreciate you spending some time with us.
2: Thanks for having me on, Tom. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Dave Spaulding, uh, yeah. Good, good instructor. There are people who can shoot, people who can teach. (laughs) Dave can do it both. All right, 866-TALK-GUN. We're open lines. Give me a shout.
0: Gun Talk encourages you to support the local sporting goods store, gun stores, ATV dealers, and other local businesses in your area who advertise on this station and Gun Talk. Only together can we protect our rights. You're listening to Washington Times Opinion Page regular contributor, Tom Gresham.
1: Hey, on the AFTER show today, Michelle has something she wants to talk about, NRA and training and picking the cheapest class around. We'll be talking about that. You do not want to miss that one. Line three, Keith's with us out of Little Rock, Arkansas. Hey, Keith.
4: Hi, you, sir. I'd like to speak to this uh, thing you spoke of earlier before I get to my point. Uh, Back uh, when Bill Clinton was the governor of Arkansas, he and other governors uh, protested the deploying National Guard troops into a war zone. It went to the Supremes, and the Supreme said that the National Guard was not the militia. It was merely an arm of the military reserve.
3: It, it's they
1: the military, the it's not the militia. The was the
4: general body of the population.
1: Exactly.
4: Yes. Well, on, on to my other thing. Uh, 1979, uh, I won't go into detail, how I gained my interest in this gun stuff, but I uh, I joined the NRA, subscribed to magazines, read books, and I've been doing that ever since. And okay. almost always, when someone writes about the injustice of this gun control stuff, Donald Trump's name is brought up by the fact that he can have a handgun and other New Yorkers can't. And nobody okay. has pointed that out. I don't know why the NRA isn't shot it from the rooftops. Uh, the other thing about
1: Donald... Well, wait, 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 wait. Before you bounce off of that, I, I need to know what point are you making? Do you think that Donald Trump is responsible for the gun laws in New York? Do you think he should not get a gun just because he's able to? What, what are you saying?
4: The point is that if somebody who's rich and shameless can get a gun, but average people can't. That right That's not his mind, fault, is it? Well, he claims he's all for the Second Amendment. Why wouldn't he well, speak well, out against her?
1: Well, he speaks out against her, but if he can't, he can't cha- single handedly change the laws in New York City. Are you saying that he should not get a gun, even though he can afford it and he can do it as some kind of protest? I am lost. I am not getting your point, my friend.
4: Well, I, I don't understand.
1: Well, what are you having a problem with? New York has a law that makes it very difficult to get a or carry a gun. Donald Trump is able to. He decries that. He says that's not right, but he's not going to not get a gun when he can. What do you want him to
4: okay. do? I'm trying to say if he's for the Second Amendment, he ought to speak out against that.
1: Well, he does. Next point.
4: Okay. Do uh, you know the origins of the New York gun law? Back when I'm sorry, say spade that again? Spade, yeah, the, the Sullivan Act was because of the increase Not, in Italians in the city. It was aimed at people. Sullivan
1: the Sullivan Act was passed in 1911. What's the point? Yes.
4: Well, back when they called the spade a spade, they told why they needed gun laws, because it was for the Italians, to keep Italians
1: okay. from having guns. I, I'm, look, I'm trying to figure out where you're going with Donald Trump here. and I, I'm, I'm going to give you about 30 more seconds, and we're going to move on if you can't get to your point.
4: Well, if I hadn't read this over and over and over
1: again, I wouldn't be making the point. But other okay, well, I don't, I don't, Keith, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do about it. Donald Trump says he supports the Second Amendment. I believe him. Uh, He he had a different opinion some time back, but he said he's had an epiphany. Give the man the benefit for the doubt of the doubt. He has a carry permit in New York. Uh, Others can't, but I don't hold that against him that others can't. He can't change that in and of himself. He has decried that. He said, that's wrong. I'm not getting what else you want him to do. I, I, I don't I don't get it, man. Line two, Frank's with us, Farmington, New Mexico. Hey, Frank.
3: How are you doing?
1: I'm great. Guides, so- hunters, talk to me.
3: Uh, thank you so much for taking my call. I had a question. Uh, if there was an ethical issue, I um, booked through an outfitter uh, uh, hunt recently. It was a successful hunt. And the guide that the um, that the outfitter used is uh he and I got along really, really well together. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if there's an ethical issue if I was just to call the guide up by himself separately next time I wanted to hunt in that area and um uh whether it just uh, I didn't I didn't know it's so I haven't used guides and and outfitters before. I just wondered if there was an ethical issue that, that's involved with well,
1: that. W- w- I guess the question is, are you trying to cut out the commission that the outfitter's getting so you can get the hunt cheaper? Or what What, oh, I, what I, would I be even, your...
3: Well, I, oh, I don't even why know. Why would you it would, do it? Uh, well, I guess maybe that'd be, it's cut out the middle, man. Just go directly with the guy. The way we worked, uh, I guess he would become an outfitter and take care of everything else. Uh Um, Yeah, you
1: know, I mean, I understand people say, well, yeah, but I would have a problem with that. You booked a hunt through an outfitter. He got you connected with the guide. Now, you could say, well, I'm just going to book it directly with him next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you could do that. There's nothing illegal about that. Now, if I were the guide, I would probably say, no, Um, you know, happy to have you here. We had a great time, got along, had a good hunt. But you still need to book it through the outfitter because, and for those who don't know, an outfitter is somebody who is the middle end. He's a booking agent, if you will. that books uh, and gets you connected to the guide. And the guide may say, no, I'm still going to use them because that's my business model. You know, I would, you know what I would do? I would have a frank and candid conversation with the uh, guide and say, look, that's what I'm thinking. I'd like to hunt with you again. How do we handle this? Do I need to go back through the outfitter? And he'll say yes or no. And that's probably kind of the end of the whole thing right there. I think I think you'd be okay with that. But it's an interesting question, and I appreciate you bringing it up. I just – it's interesting. i would not thought of that before. But, yeah, I, I kind of think I would not want to cut out the middleman. I mean, the guy's making a living. He got you connected. He got you with a good guide. Is it too much to say we're trying to cheat somebody out of their money? Am I wrong on this? Am I? People are thinking, oh yeah, you can get it cheaper. I always get it cheaper. Yeah, I know. But something about it doesn't feel right. I'm not sure what it is. 866 Talk Gun. Maybe you can help me out. 866 Talk Gun. If you're looking for a safe and trusted way to sell your firearms, look no further than Dury's Gun Shop. I trusted them to sell my dad's collection. They built their business for over 50 years on honesty and customer service. Dury's Guns will buy any size collection or estate. None too big or too small. Selling your firearms to Dury's Guns is easy. Go with the pros. I trust Dury's Guns. Dury'sGuns.com In the war on
2: terror, fighting crime in the streets, in competition and homes around the world, one name in firearms stands out, SIG Sauer. Our pistols and rifles are renowned for their unfailing performance. This same commitment to excellence can be found in our line of SIGTAC accessories and the training offered by the SIG Sauer Academy. For unmatched quality, reliability, and innovation when it counts, choose SIG Sauer. Visit SIGSauer.com today. The
4: Black Hills. There's nothing like it on Earth. The kind of place where characters become legends. Wild Bill Hickok. Crazy Horse. Calamity Jane. Pick any part of the world and you'll find people go there to make it their own. But this is where people come to get made. This is the place that made the people who make the best ammo on Earth. Black Hills Ammunition.
0: Bigfoot gun belts made with legendary leather and quality craftsmanship are built to support the full weight of even the heaviest handgun. With a spring steel core embedded between two layers of rich English bridle leather, you'll never deal with a sagging belt ever again. Each gun belt is handmade with the blood-sweated beards of dedicated skilled Pacific Northwest belt makers. Capture your gun belt for as low as $54.88 at BigfootGunBelts.com.
1: They're going straight to the phone. Line for Russell's in Wichita, Kansas. Interesting question, Russell. What's on your mind?
3: Uh, yes, yeah, thank you for taking my call. I was just wondering if you knew any, any Orthodox Jewish rabbis that uh, are pro-gun and can tell us why there are so many Jewish people who are anti gun
1: well, yes, there are some Orthodox Jews, uh, some rabbis who are pro-gun. Of course, you may, have you ever heard of the Jews for the Preservation of Firearms Ownership group?
3: Uh, no, I have not.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a national group called the Jews for the Preservation of Firearms Ownership. And their motto is, we are not out to defeat gun control. We are out to destroy gun control. And I've, I've actually asked them, I've asked some of those guys, and said, you know, okay, well, what is it about, you know, it seems like there are, if there ever was a group that would say we're going to protect ourselves, the whole never again thing, it would be Jews. They say, look, we're as diverse as everybody else. We've got folks on both sides, and we're just like every other group out there. So, okay, that makes sense to me. I get that. But no, there certainly are... uh Jews who are for guns, Jews who are against guns, just like every other group out there. So, but no, if you have not looked into it, look into JPFO, Jews for the Preservation of Firearms Ownership. Fascinating group with a very interesting background. I think you will uh, find it just as interesting as I do. Hey, appreciate the call. Interesting. Uh, line one, Lee, Anderson County, Kentucky. Haley.
3: Hi, Tom. The Kentucky Republican Party is not taking part in our state's primary election for president this year. Instead, they're having a caucus, and it's in March. And I have been having trouble finding out how to cast a vote in it. I won't say I've been getting a runaround, but I will say people I've talked to at party headquarters have been confused. And if there's anybody out there listening from the Republican Party who's willing to speak on the record and actually tell... Kentucky Republicans, how to take part in this caucus and call up your show and tell them, that would be wonderful.
1: Huh. Okay. I don't know what's going on. Uh, There's a group called Kentucky Gun Owners, uh, KYGunowners.com. You might check there. They may be able to help you out. Uh, I think if you got a whole bunch of gun owners together and started asking the right questions, you might be able to get some answers. And in the meantime, I tell you what I'm going to do, Lee. I'm going to poke around and see if there's anything I can find out because that's it sounds odd on the face of it. I'd like to know more about it, and I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. Gary is on three out of Columbia, South Carolina. Hey, Gary.
5: Hey, how you doing? Great. Uh, yeah, my question is, I'm an over-the-road truck driver, and I know they've been they've been uh, trying to pass a law that makes it uh, makes it uh, legal for over the truck drivers to carry firearms. Uh, just for the simple fact that we have so many problems out here with people getting robbed and shot and, and all other kind of problems out here, uh, especially with some of the areas that we go into. Uh, so my question is, have you heard anything as far as where that stands as far as passing that law?
1: First of all, let me ask you a question. Or, 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 let me make a statement. It's perfectly legal for you to have a gun in your commercial truck. Did somebody tell you it wasn't?
5: Uh, well, yeah. It, basically, um, I mean, the rules of the, what I understand, you can't have a, a um, you can't have a firearm in a commercial truck. And there's a lot of no other,
1: that, um, that no 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 that is absolutely completely one hundred percent wrong. It is absolutely legal for you to have a gun in your truck as long as you're meeting all the other laws. There's no such thing. Let me get this out. There's no such thing as a law or a DOT regulation or anything like that that says commercial truck drivers can't have a gun in the truck. Now, the company you work for may have a policy, but that's not law. Now, some of the places, if you go on to military bases, you can't have a gun there. That's a different issue. But there's no such thing as a law that says a commercial over-the-road trucker cannot have a gun in the car, in the truck. What
5: about these certain states that have uh, state laws
1: against that? No state has a law that says a commercial trucker cannot have a gun in the truck. Uh, now, you, obviously, you have to go by the law as you go from state to state to state, which means you have to know the law. In some states, you're legal to have a loaded gun sitting on the seat right next to you, perfectly okay. In another state, when you cross state line, that gun may be required to be unloaded and locked away. It's your responsibility to know what the laws are, but that's the same whether you're driving a Prius or a Mack truck.
5: Right, right. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, I, I always heard that you couldn't have it, so I, and that's something new that I
1: did not know. Yeah, that, that is a common, common piece of misinformation, and one of the unfortunate parts is that some of the truck driving schools actually teach this falsehood in their schools to truck drivers. They will actually put it, somebody called it the green book. It'll actually, they'll put it in there as though it's a law. They'll say it's against the law to have a, a gun in the truck for an overload trucker. It's not, it's a lie. And I don't know who's telling them to put that in. I think it's probably the companies that hire drivers because they don't want it in there but they don't want the drivers to know it's them doing it. So they pretend it's the government requiring it when in fact it's now, I don't want to minimize that. If you have a company policy and you violate the company policy, they can, and they probably will fire you for that. So don't minimize the importance of that. At the same time, if you need a gun and you don't have a gun, you're liable to not get fired. You're liable to get dead. So you're going to have to make a call on this. And if you sleep in your truck, and you know what I'm talking about, you're out there and you got the the lot lizards that are running around out there, uh, you got to be careful. And frankly, you're on your own. So what would I do? There is no way in God's green earth that I would do that job and not have a gun where I could reach it. I would have carry permits in whatever states necessary to have the maximum reciprocity so I could carry in as many states as possible. And then when I go into the other states I would absolutely, yes, yes, of course I would, obey the law. Yeah. I would actually. I am not a lawbreaker, I don't do that. But at the same time. You gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta protect yourself and your family. Back with the 866-TALK-GUN. Still gets you in here. I want to drop down to Michael on line two out of Hope, Arkansas. Hey, Michael, you got yourself a Smith & Wesson Shield?
3: Yes, sir. It's a 9mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm primarily a rifle shooter. I just got it for self-defense. And uh, I'm a kind of a Timney Trigger kind of guy. And I took it out, and uh, I could about eat a bologna sandwich before it goes off when I pull the trigger. <laughs>
1: Well, you're you're used to a fine rifle trigger, and that's a, a defensive handgun trigger. Yeah, it, I mean it's, well, going, it's definitely going to take more than that to, to get it to go off. Now, how many? Time, let me ask you this question: How many times have you shot it?
3: Probably uh, about 108.
1: Okay, um, somewhere like that. Do you just don't like the trigger pull? Is that what's going on?
3: Well, I, I didn't know if that's what pistol triggers are supposed to be like, or. Uh... Do I need to send it back, or I just I just didn't know?
1: Well, of course, there's no way for me to know what it feels like to you. I mean, what I would recommend is go try three or four more like that in the store, and if they all are the same, then you can say, okay, that's the way these are. But you'll also, at that point, you'll say, oh, well, mine's really awful, and these are good. Then you have, you know, what to do there. But there's one other thing I'm going to suggest you consider. If you say, okay, this is the way it's supposed to be, but I just don't like it, there's an outfit called Apex Tactical APEX Tactical, and they make a Smith & Wesson Shield trigger kit. And if you like too many triggers in your rifles, this is basically putting an aftermarket trigger or trigger job in your shield, and it's apextactical.com. If you go there, you could uh, look up. It's it's $92.25, so there you go. But uh, I would just compare it with some others first before you make any decisions. You need to find out if yours is an anomaly, which is not the same as an anemone, and uh, find out if it's supposed to be that way. I appreciate that. Uh, Let's see here. Oh, got to do this. Stu, Elko, Nevada, line three. Hey, Stu, Diane Sawyer. Yep.
3: I'm saying let's what? not uh, be, be distracted by the frontal attack, the new Second Amendment workaround now. The feds, through the school systems, are making a recommendation, which is going to be an edict later, that all teens be uh, screened for uh, depression, which coincides with that yellow journalism, you know, Columbine Diane Sawyer thing the other night. Sure. And shake sure. out the whole generation saying, oh, see. They have mental issues. And like I say, the interviews are, the questions are so broad, you feel sad sometimes. What teenager doesn't, right? They're trying to take out the entire generation and, and disqualify them well, from their Well, Stu,
1: manner. I got to tell you, you know what? I feel sad every time I watch anything Diane Slawyer does. So she makes me depressed. <laughs> no, it's, it's a great point, though. Yeah, that's they're trying to use the health issue. Because when they found that it works, in the VA, if you exhibit any signs or say that you've got depression or you say, look, I'd rather have my wife handle my finances. They say, oh, you can't handle your finances. Then we're going to mark you as being mentally incompetent. You will never be able to own a gun in your life. And it's happened tens of thousands of times to our military veterans. It's happening right now. Barack Obama is all in favor of that. And now he's wanting to expand that. And to Stu's point, they're saying, oh, we could actually take guns away from people for life without ever having to go to court, without ever having to get a judge involved, without ever having to actually prosecute anybody. We'll just have a bureaucrat make a check mark on a piece of paper. You're done. You are shafted for life. Yeah. So you got to watch the uh, the front door. You also have to watch the back door. All right. Uh, if you're on hold, don't go anywhere. We're going to get to you in the after show. If you haven't heard the after show, grab you the free Gundilio app for your smartphone, dealio And you can listen to the after show and the rest of the show if you happen to miss one. In the meantime, make a commitment. Be all in on this election and also on this fight for the Supreme Court. It's going to take every single one of us. Be safe out there.